I think that any song, this is a theory that I've had recently. Okay. Any song, when you hear it quietly and it's CVS, the song is immediately ruined. Yes. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cineflex. I am your host, Ethan Colburn. Thank you guys for tuning back in. I really, really appreciate it. Um, this is our episode 16. I can't believe it. It's it's, uh, it's flying by really fast. If you guys have any suggestions for how I should celebrate 20, I feel like I might as well. Uh, if you guys have any suggestions, please let me know on my social media. I'll have a link to that in the description. Um, this week, very, very fun. Um, I had Clara Curtis on to discuss Black Christmas, which is a hell of a ride. You can watch it right now on Criterion Channel. Um, it was really, really fun. We drank, uh, vodka crayons, which, uh, recipe you can find on my Instagram and Twitter at Cineflex pod on Instagram and at Cineflex on Twitter. Uh, so check that out. Um, I've got the last of my Halloween movies coming at the end of the week when Paige and I discuss The Lighthouse, and I will post a dark and stormy recipe um, for that one. I'm really proud of I'm really proud of my pairing with that. Just in case you guys didn't know, I'm I'm proud of myself for coming up with that. Um, <laughs> I had a great time chatting with Clara on this show for the third time, so. I hope you enjoy this show. Thank you so much. Hello? 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 Hey, quiet! It's him again! The Mona! Let's start. Clara, welcome back. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Three timer. It's me. Wow. <laughs> you're you're like you're like the Alec Baldwin to SNL <laughs> of this podcast. You just you just <laughs> you just keep showing up. <laughs> it's arguable if I'm welcomed or not. People might be sick of me. We don't know yet. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> We are we are drinking we are drinking vodka crayons today. Are I um I thought it was kind of I wanted to do something a little Christmassy. Mm -hmm. I love vodka crayons, and I'm being very trendy with my ocean spray. We're in the TikTok area of yes. Yeah, there you go, girl. Watch your feet. So 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 I'm I'm drinking my cranberry ocean spray. Perfect. Um, um, you want to know what we're talking? We're talking about how this is like relevant because it's Christmassy, but we didn't even say what movie we're doing yet. <laughs> the movie we're doing is Black Christmas. Oh my god! <laughs> the movie, the movie we're doing is Black Christmas. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The original. 
the, there was there's apparently a really bad remake. There's two remakes actually. Two bad remakes? Uh-oh. Well, okay, actually, actually, I haven't yes. seen either. The 2006 is garbage from what I understand. Like okay. nonsense, like don't even bother. Okay. But there was another remake this last December in 2019 um, that apparently is actually semi-decent. And so I'm interested in checking it out. I haven't seen it yet, but apparently it's pretty fun. That would be interesting to return to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, why, why did you pick this movie? Mm. What's, what's your, what, what was your first experience with it? I know you're like, you're like, you're like a huge horror nerd and I love it. So <laughs> what, uh, yeah, what, what first attracted you to this movie? Yeah, so I actually um, just saw this movie for the first time. I'm going to try and get the exact date off the letterbox real quick. The first time I saw it was in June of this okay. year, actually. So I hadn't seen it. N- neither Halloween nor Christmas. No. <laughs> okay. It was near my birthday. I was Perfect. celebrating <laughs> my <Perfect>. birthday with <laughs> terribly scary movies. <laughs> Great. Like always. Um, <laughs> awesome. Um, I, part of it was I, um, when I like don't want to necessarily like watch something off of my watch list for whatever reason. I don't know. I get in moods where I'm like, uh, I'm bored with everything on my watch list, even though I haven't seen any of it yet. I <laughs> I kind of feel that though. Right? I kind of like, get that. I yeah. don't know. It's weird. Um, okay. So I then, if I'm feeling that, I go to popular this week and then I always go to the, like, I always filter directly to horror just because like, I know that's not like the norm but like that's my go-to like if I don't know what I want to watch and I really want to just like pick something I'm like I want to watch a scary movie I always want to watch a scary movie I fucking love scary movies (laughs) I don't know scary movies are so great they're so fun um so Black Christmas is I don't know where it's at right now actually but when I looked in June it was like really high up as like one of the most popular at the time, which was kind of weird because it was June. Um, yeah. I was like, okay, whatever. Um, oh, it's still pretty, it's decently up there still right now on Letterboxd even. Um, the other thing about it was, uh, I'm totally blanking on her name now, but there is this woman on TikTok who um, does film criticism and I follow her. Oh, cool. I love her stuff. And like, she is super feminist and like talks about like, the role of women in film particularly in horror so she's mm-hmm. kind of like my role model in a way like I want to be Perfect. here when I grow up um yeah. <laughs> super awesome woman and so she raves about Black Christmas like all the time is like a great like intro to like feminist horror um mm, interesting so okay it was like in the back of my brain a little bit and then I was like oh I'm gonna check it out and then I watched it um and I fucking loved it and then I figured I'd do it for the podcast because um i feel like it oddly enough it's like popular but i also feel like people don't talk about it that much which is surprising yeah i mean i it was not on my radar as a as as a not horror person it was not Mm -hmm. on my radar so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna briefly tell you my experience with the movie i please i um so so we chatted with like a group of letterboxed people around, I don't know, it was like 2.30 to 3.30-ish. Yeah, it's great. And then, and then I was like, oh, so what time do you want to chat? You're like, oh, maybe seven or eight. And then I was like, I, I did the math back of like, okay, make dinner, 
<laughs> Come over to the house of the house I'm house sitting and walk mm-hmm. the dog, feed the dog. And I was like, and then also watch this hour and a half movie. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like the Zach Galifianakis meme with all the math. <laughs> like all the numbers. You know? And so I was like, oh, this is going to be like right up until the wire. I got to go now. <laughs> so, so yes, I managed to do everything, but I had to. So, so. So I, I was, I was sous viding um, lamb. So, so the way this works is like, I threw it in, mm-hmm. I, I started the movie. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I had to like take it out and like deal with like the quinoa and everything else that I was cooking, I, I paused it with like, I think like eight minutes left. So oh, I, when I got, I got to the point where Olivia Hussey, I think that's how you say your last name. I think so. Killed her boyfriend and then she's lying in bed and everything seems like it's good. Mm. Okay. So that's where I paused it. <laughs> I left, I watched dinner. Everything's happy in the black Christmas world. Yeah. I, um, I eat a wonderful dinner. I have some great wine. Mm-hmm. I walk a dog. I feed the dog. I come back. I'm like, maybe I should watch the last like oh my God. just to make sure it's, you know, just to make sure everything's good. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then of course, the last six minutes shift the entire frame of the movie. <laughs> where like, where like, um, oh my God. where, okay. She hasn't killed her murderer. Her murderer is still in the house. Mm-hmm. And, um, they haven't found the bodies. I thought they were talking about that when they were talking about the autopsies and everything. Mm. But uh, no, they never looked in the attic. No. These idiots. I know. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, well, that's hilarious because can you imagine us trying to film this podcast and I'm talking about how terrible that ending is and like how scary yeah, it is and exactly. you're just like what are you talking about it was great <laughs> everyone's fine oh yeah. Yeah, yeah i know it was so it was so satisfying when when uh <laughs> she's asleep in her bed <laughs> that is so funny i was dying it was just the way things worked out but uh wow yeah no what what an ending um yeah do we know who the actual killer is no we don't know No. And what I always find really interesting is, um, like at the time of the release and honestly, even now, like when I see people's reviews of it on Letterboxd, the biggest critique I see is that it's such a like ambiguous ending in a way where like, we don't know, like, we don't know who this man was. We don't know like why he was doing this. Like we get absolutely nothing out of it. Um, which Mm. I personally prefer in a way because I think that's so much scarier um it reminds me a lot of like another one of my like favorite home invasion movies is the strangers from um I think that's like 2009 um great home invasion movie but like the whole motivation of those people is like never properly revealed either it's like almost taunting in a way and I find that much scarier than when horror movies, like, take the time to, like, over-explain, like, why things are happening. Um, because, like, then it's a lot easier, I think, for you to kind of just shut your brain off a little bit and be like, oh, well, like, obviously I'd never be in this situation. Like, this would never happen. But, like, with a movie like this where 
we have a man like break into a home or a sorority house and like murder girls and we have like no idea why like that's so scary like that's terrifying well and this is and this is only a few years before ted bundy Mm -hmm. too well i mean so ted bundy had killed the first time right and then yes oh yes oh yeah he was on a (laughs) the first many times yes (laughs) breaks out and then eventually gets to florida but this is before he starts killing sorority sisters in florida i think it's after Mm -hmm. he killed some a lot of both a lot of women at both pages in my schools, actually. So he, he yes. went to he went to Puget Sound and UW. UW. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So it came. It, and that's just wild that it came out like, uh, like shortly before that happened. And then I was reading an article a while ago about this, and I find it really interesting. Where, when they were first trying to do like TV releases of this movie, uh, um they ended up having to like pull it from certain states because their the release date for like it on television was literally like the same month that Ted Bundy committed those murders in the sorority house. Yeah. And so there were a bunch can't of do that. like yeah, there were a bunch of governors that were like, um, please don't play this movie in our state because like we're dealing with this terrible thing that happened to actual women. And like this is literally what happened, but in a movie. So like, totally, maybe let's totally. not. Um, yeah, no, I, I I completely agree, especially just about the fact that sometimes when you make it anonymous, it's mm-hmm. scarier. It's yeah. um people get people get freaked out when you know it's like it's not something that they could have prevented. It's yeah. like it's completely random. You know, it's like I think you know, I mean. Like that's the reason people get freaked out about terror attacks in general. It's mm-hmm. it's because it's it's totally totally random. It has nothing to do with who you are. It has to do with like you're in this crowd, and it's like, and like, yeah. I think I think there there is something especially scary about that. Um, do you so so the other one that this that that this actually reminds me a lot of in the end is Don't mm-hmm. Look Now, which. Ooh. Which which you saw just because I mean you you think it's leading a certain way yeah. with the and spoil spoiler alerts for don't look Everything. now as well as this <laughs> but um but you think it's leading a certain way with the red mm-hmm. coat and everything and the kid and then it's just this little old dwarf, dwarf lady <laughs> who uh, who murders people and yeah. I I was just like oh god this is this is awesome but yeah. um um. Briefly, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on like why do you think you because I think you connected with this one a lot more than Don't Look Now, right? I would say so. Um, yeah. and I think for me, like a big part of that, and like I noticed it the first time I was watching it, but this time I definitely feel like I noticed it a lot more. And I think it's because like I'd seen it already, so there wasn't like quite as much of that like panic of like I don't know what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I connect with Black Christmas a lot more because. I find it like a very feminist piece of film um, for like a lot of different reasons. Um, And like, I think I've made it very abundantly clear on my previous appearances on this podcast that I'm a hardcore feminist. Um, (laughs) I love it. Keep going with that. Um, Heck yeah. Um, (laughs) So like, obviously like that's something that I connect a lot more with. Um, I think Black Christmas provides like this really interesting 
dual like depiction of terror where like we have this very literal like threat of like an actual man like murdering women but then we also have um like the terror of living in a patriarchal society where like these women are like trying to get help and they're getting dismissed for being hysterical or like they're getting brushed aside or like when Claire is first missing like they say she's run off with a man instead of like the cops taking it seriously and just like there's all these things happening where Mm -hmm. that's like a big reality for like women in general I think and like so that's really scary to see play out because it's not just that there's this random incident happening that's really scary it's that there's this random incident and like there's signs of it happening and like in theory the girls are doing things correctly because they're going to the police and they're trying to get help and they're like not getting the help they need so I find that really cool and yeah. so I connect with that a lot more I that guess I think the other thing though is with don't look now I feel like I just I need to watch it again I feel like I was taking it all in and it was just so much and it was like holy like holy shit like this is like so layered in the best way yeah but I feel like I missed I feel like I've missed things that I think would make me connect with it a lot more no 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 that totally makes sense and also Mm -hmm. you don't you don't like have to love it or anything I just do (laughs) think I just do think um I think I think they have they have that similar element where it all seems very directed at yeah at a person Mm -hmm. and then it's like uh uh-oh like (laughs) happened to happen to you like yeah like sorry about that um what so what in this one like I, I couldn't quite figure out what was all the what, so, so, so what was the point about the calls about like the babies and stuff if um, if not from her boy or I mean I, I don't know if we can determine that the calls definitely weren't from her boyfriend I think we can mm-hmm. assume they weren't mm-hmm. but like what then were the point of those calls so I think like I personally think they the calls were for sure coming from the actual like killer mm-hmm. um and i think honestly it was just like complete like insanity like ravings like just stuff that makes no sense well okay i go back and forth on this i think it was either like just Mm -hmm. totally like he's just like not there mentally obviously no matter what to some extent like if he's murdering women for no reason like obviously something's wrong um Of course. Um, (laughs) But, like, obviously, like, something's going on mentally or in a a scarier way, which I don't think this is portrayed quite as clearly, but I think a scarier thought is that he's purposely, like, doing things that he knows specifically would, like, freak women out more. And so he's, like, drawing in all these scary, like, scenarios because it's super easy to just call and, like, heavy breathe on the phone. Yeah. But that's not what he's doing. He's, like, leaving, like, honestly, like, some of the most, like, obscene, like, terrible, like, statements in a, a phone call that I've, like, heard in film. So it's, like, I I do wonder sometimes, like, if the intention was more so to, like, imply that, like, he's just completely unhinged or, like, if he is very, like, pointedly, like, choosing to, like, talk about things that would freak women out more. Because I think, in theory, like, a woman hearing about, like, a baby in danger or something like that is going to freak them out a little bit more than, like, a college-aged man. Um, yeah. No, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, part of that 
part of that whole idea. Like I, 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 I love this about like this movie and don't look now is that it makes you look inward Mm. at sort of why you piece things together a certain way. I'm, I'm someone that's very like, I'm not someone who believes in fate much. Mm. And, and so like, I love movies that sort of question that idea altogether, which is that like you, you, um, you know, like all signs are pointing a certain direction and then it turns out it's just, it's not the direction you think it is because things Mm -hmm. are just random and your brain is making these connections that aren't, that like aren't real. Yeah. or like aren't accurate to the situation. Um, Yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I don't know if you have any thoughts on fate in general, but uh, yeah. Um, I go back and forth on it a lot. Like I think I, my overarching thing, and this is like a conclusion I've been like draw, like I've been thinking about this so much in quarantine. It's so funny. Um, (laughs) Love it. Uh, (laughs) Nothing like, getting existential when you're locked in your house for seven months (laughs) we've all been there trust me so great um i think for me i have come to the conclusion that i believe in like the concept of like the universe like seeking balance always Mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of thing and i think that's really cool and like i believe in like the the like power of like manifestation and stuff and that like there is fate but that like if you seek certain things out like it opens new doorways to allow for like things that might go against like the concept of fate okay but yeah in all of that in a very i'm a this is so funny because i feel like i portray very well as like a very optimistic type of person but deep down i'm very terribly cynical um and so overall i think like the concept of fate and the greater concept of like faith is just us frantically trying to appease ourselves so that we're not constantly having panic attacks about dying. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So I go back and forth on like fate and like all of that kind of stuff because, like, at the end of the day, like it is kind of like human invention in a way. And like, I think if there is such a thing, it's too comp- truly too complex for us to fully grasp in any way to like truly understand it yeah (laughs) no i mean that was like an amazing one minute summary of fate and faith thank you (laughs) Um, (laughs) coming from an ex-youth pastor (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) no yeah i'm i i i have i have had those panic attacks about death and um yeah like like i think i think that a lot of it is is human like like a lot of it is human invention and i think like our brain is sort of is sort of set up to see patterns just in mm-hmm. everything that we're looking at you know yeah. like it's like people's brains get fixated on stories that they've heard and things that they've seen and i think that both these horror movies sort of get at the idea that that sometimes there's not a reason for it and mm. and you're just you're you're lost in this chaotic world and uh (laughs) here we all are and (laughs) and they don't even have to say that like neither of them yeah there's like a lot implied in everything in a horror movie leading to a certain place and then they're just like uh like i guess i guess you know i guess this is the reason you die it has nothing to do with Mm -hmm. the reason you thought you'd die but you still die 
Mm, yes. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. Ooh, I like that. Um, do you want to give a just brief synopsis of the film before we move forward? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So <laughs> Black Christmas is, um, it takes place around like winter break for college. Um, so like half of the house is essentially already gone for winter break. There's a good little group of girls still around, but like they're getting ready to go. Um, and what we like are introduced to is them having like a little Christmas party. Like they're just having fun and like doing college things and like their boyfriends are over and it's a good time. Um, but during that party, we get these really like uncomfortable POV shots of um, a person and we never, ever, ever see like who this person is, but they almost walk through the front door. They don't quite. And then we see them scale up the side of the house along like, I don't know what that's called. It's trellis. like, um, yes, a trellis. Thank you. Um, scales up that climbs through their attic window and is in the house and no one knows this person is in the house. Um, from there, like they start, the girls start getting phone calls and they recognize that they're getting like that. It's happened before. It's implied that they've been getting these really creepy phone calls. And it's not just like the casual, like I'm watching you. It's like really like explicit, like I'm going to like make you suck my dick, like da, 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 like terrible things. Um, <laughs> Um, all of that. And then from there, it's this really interesting thing where it's a slasher, but it's a really slow burn slasher. Super slow burn. Yeah. We, I mean, it's interesting because we have our first death with it in like the first like 15 minutes of the film, um, which is relatively quick if we're really thinking about it. Like we hardly even get true like character development out of the girl who dies. Um, yeah. but from there, it's this kind of slow burn where the how like the rest of the sisters are trying to figure out like where their first sorority sister has gone. Like they think she's just missing, and they're trying to find her. And there's all these other things going on around the town that like are distracting them in a way. They have their own lives they're dealing with. Um, and as that's happening, this person is like slowly killing off the girls um, to the point where we get one final girl, and we get the we get the final girl showdown. Um, and it does not end happy, uh, <laughs> unlike no. unlike other slashers, which I think is, I think is another reason why I kind of like it because I feel like a lot of the time, slashers from like the '80s have a really clean end, um, even if it's alluding to like a sequel. There's a very like, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's just like a satisfying ending in a way. Like regardless yeah. of what happens, you're just like, oh, that's perfect. Like that makes sense. Like cool. I can't wait for the next one. Whereas with like Black Christmas, we get an ending where we're like, no, 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 like <laughs> that can't be the end. That's <laughs> that's not right. So, how like I did want to say though, like uh, 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 off that that um, there was a there was a planned sequel. Did you know about this? No. Okay. 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 So after the bad remake in two thousand six, uh-huh. uh, the director. Um, uh, Clark, Bob Clark, Bob Clark, Bob Clark, who also directed a a Christmas story and 
baby geniuses. Oh my god, that was just so <laughs> weird to me. It was so like thing. what? What? Like those? Like the two opposites of Christmas movies. Yes. But, and so after that, he was like, "Okay, maybe I should do a sequel with the original actors." So he was going to bring <laughs> Olivia Hussey and John Saxon back. Whoa. Olivia Hussey would have been like the house, the house mom, like the house mom. <gasps> And they would have done another sorority slasher, slasher with her as the house mom, and John Saxon would have still be still been like an old police oh. officer. And then he died in like a car accident, no. unfortunately. But like, I'm like, that would have been awesome. Oh, I would have watched the shit out of that. God, that oh would have been so fun. I love that. Well, and then, you- and then John Saxon passed away this year, unfortunately. He did. Yeah. I didn't know that. I missed that. Yeah, but. What uh, the heck? Yeah, no, he, he's the best. He's also amazing in Enter the Dragon. That's what I really oh, I know him that. from. Oh. Enter the Dragon is, it's it's a spectacular martial art. Yeah, it, it's um Ooh. it's Bruce Lee's last like completed film that he made oh, with okay. his light, in his lifetime, but it's it's spectacular. And John Saxon Ooh. is like the other karate. <laughs> he's ready to go. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um, do you want to know something interesting, though, since we didn't get that amazing sounding sequel? We kind of, in a way, almost do, because um, Bob Clark and John Carpenter were, like, really good friends, and John Carpenter, like, adored Black Christmas, and he was talking to Bob Clark about, like, oh, would you ever make a sequel, blah, 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 and I guess Bob Clark, like, at that point, like, the movie had just come out, so he's like, oh, like, I guess... I guess the only thing I could imagine at this point is it'd be kind of cool if the killer came back on Halloween and he had just escaped the mental asylum. And (laughs) then (laughs) John Carpenter loved that so much. He made fucking Halloween. (laughs) So it's like, (laughs) that's, that's so cool. The moment you started telling that story and I heard John Carpenter, I'm like, please let this turn into like a story about Halloween. Yep. I was like, yes. Yep. So oh, Halloween oh, awesome. is majorly influenced by Black Christmas. Wow, that's so cool. From what I was reading, this um this film didn't really do well in its initial release. No. And then it just kind of gained this cult following. Apparently, mm-hmm. so Olivia Hussey worked with uh, Steve Martin at one point, like I think in the yeah. 80s. And... Uh, Steve Martin was like, you're like my favorite actress. You're so cool. <laughs> and she's like, I was probably from my, from like Romeo and, Romeo Ju- and Juliet. <laughs> which is the one I know her from. And that's also awesome. But he's like, yes. no, no, I love Black Christmas. She's like, <laughs> what <laughs> <Okay>. do you mean? <laughs> By the way, Olivia Hussey is awesome in this. She's so, so good. good. She's so beautiful. She's so mm. like, she's so, um, she's so kind of intense and, mm and like powerful and i yeah i mean she's 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 a really really captivating actress i'm mm. like i i i was always really impressed with her in Romeo and juliet and mm. this is a slightly more mature role for her but mm-hmm. um yeah i i'm not sure why she didn't act as much in this time and you yeah. know i mean she's around i'm just surprised she hasn't done more like she just she's she's so awesome to me i don't know yeah i so what are your thoughts on her in this movie mm, i love her character i think i think if we don't want to get like too analytical in like the plot and whatnot that i was like talking about earlier get as um, analytical as you of want. course that's, i mean obviously i'm gonna shove it down everyone's throats but <laughs> i think her character gives the most like explicit like feminist lens in a way which is really awesome because like she 
so blatantly is like speaking for her own like body autonomy um because like a huge plot point is the fact that she is pregnant with her boyfriend's child and she doesn't want this baby and he is like basically like going insane during this movie trying to convince her to like keep the baby and to marry him and like they'll have the perfect life and like there's this really amazing scene i think it's around the halfway point it's hard to really gauge like Right. Things happen so quickly, mm-hmm. um, but also slow at the same time. Uh, <laughs> uh, but around like the halfway point, they have this like really like intense conversation about it all. And he's like, I want you to marry me. Like, I want to give up the dreams I had so that I can like have you be my dream. And like, she gives this beautiful monologue about like, do you remember like when I first met you and you were so passionate about like what you were pursuing? And I was so passionate about what I was pursuing. And like, I'm still passionate about those things. And I, I don't want to marry like it's not even that I want to marry you but I don't think it's the right thing like I just flat out don't want to marry you like I want to do what I want to do with my life and you're not a part of that and I want to like pursue the things that I'm passionate about and I think that's like so empowering and like a really I agree I think it's such a cool thing and I think it's like painfully relevant even like today in like the current political climate that we live totally. in um which is great uh love that um but it's so cool to see like an example of that for, like this movie came out in like 1974 so like in a like i mean it's not like these women's issues haven't been a big issue for a while but it's it's very refreshing to see such um in like in your face portrayal of like feminist ideology and like nestled into what typically is not like the most feminist genre of filmmaking um like possibly the least feminist genre yeah. of filmmaking which is funny <laughs> that you're so into it but i mean I know. when 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 feminist horror works it, it fucking works oh, you know what it i works mean so like well. it just but yeah i mean i mean mm-hmm. possibly like the most like like it it it, it, it it might be the genre with the most stereotypes, you know, if that makes yeah. sense. But, oh, for uh, sure. Yes. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I adore her. Um, her character is awesome. Like, just an amazing final girl in general. Like, she just, oh, I'm just so proud of her. Um, the funny thing, I was texting you about it, and so now I'm going to talk about it. Uh, she apparently is weird, like, in real life, which is odd. She... The only reason why she took this role is apparently because she was, like, really into psychics. Like, anything a psychic told her, she would, like, religiously follow. And so a psychic psychic told her that she was going to be in a Canadian film that was going to be, like, this huge box office success. So when she got offered this role, she was like, it's Canadian. I must take it. My psychic said so. Oh, Um, that's so weird. Which is weird. And then on top of that, apparently, the rest of the cast said that working with her was odd because she would constantly talk about how her psychic had told her she was going to marry Paul McCartney. And so she was, like, weirdly, like, obsessed with paul mccartney all the time um (laughs) which is so bizarre oh my god wow i know i was really surprised to read that i was like she seemed like because also like what a bold psychic yeah like 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 you uh, can aim a little lower you know for real like i get she's a movie star but it's also like like pete townsend let's just go like another rock star that's not like yeah yeah like what (laughs) the paul mccartney (laughs) no 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 fine no, no, it's the other Paul McCartney. It's the guy who lives in <laughs> Pittsburgh. 
Oh, that guy. The carpenter, you know? Ah, Really nice guy. You'll love him. Ah, what a guy. Shout out to him. (laughs) Oh, man. So I thought that was really interesting because... Yeah, totally. Like, I haven't... I obviously haven't seen a lot of her work, but from what I've seen in Black Christmas and, like, what I've seen in Romeo and Juliet, she carries herself so elegantly in film. And, like... I, I agree, yeah. It's just... She's so captivating. It's, like, it's really hard not to look at her when she's on screen. Um, and so to hear, to like find that out that she's like this kind of like nutty girl off screen is so funny to me and like, no, does that's not so fit. Crazy. That's so crazy. <laughs> it, 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 it reminds me a little bit of Shirley MacLaine, except Shirley MacLaine mm. seems nutty, like just always, but, but Shirley MacLaine is notoriously like, like talks about her past lives all the time. So you're just like, oh, this is great. Like, yeah. <laughs> like whatever, whatever you want to talk about, I'm here for it. Yeah, please. Um, so, so one, one question I had yeah. just like off the feminist point, like the feminist lens of all this, mm-hmm. um, do you think the fact that it wasn't her boyfriend sort of undermines the pro-choice message of the film? Like in some ways, mm-hmm. like if it were her boyfriend, if it were her boyfriend that were terrorizing the house, and mm-hmm. her boyfriend were trying to trying to make her not have an abortion and she were like no no no, i will like Mm. the fact that it had nothing to do with him does that undermine that message or or do you think it's still as as i don't know as relevant yeah i think i think it still holds up and i think it and i think that is because there are so many other like feminist um snippets intercut within that like if the only thing about that movie that was feminist was the fact that um olivia hussey's character was like no i don't want the baby and that was the only like feminist thing we got out of that movie then i would say like oh yeah like that total like what was the point then like why did we include something like that right um but i think because we get so many other little examples like a good one is like claire's father once he like shows up at the house he's like very clearly like not happy with like the atmosphere there he's like i didn't send my daughter here to go drink and meet boys like she's supposed to be studying and there's a naked person on a poster in her room and like there's that like judgment from like the male perspective there's all these underlying tensions with the police and then there is like the neighborhood girl that got murdered and that's really scary and so there's these subtle well not subtle because they're important parts of the story but there are so many other components I think that add into like the feminist message as a whole and I think that allows the like pro-choice portion of that to still like hold up well because it's not the main focus point in a way like okay yeah and I think that's an interesting balance they chose to take um and I, I definitely appreciate it. I also think it has the fortunate thing of existing in a time now where feminist theory is more openly discussed and, like, researched. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, like, I don't know because we can't, like, ask him or whatever. But, like, I don't know if Bob Clark's true intention was to make this grand feminist slasher movie. Like, I kind of highly doubt it, um, <laughs> if we're being yeah. totally honest. <laughs> right, um, probably. Probably, but he, for whatever reason, chose to include all these elements that allow for it to be looked at in that way now. Um, And I think it has the benefit of that, of where we're able to discuss it in a feminist lens a lot easier. And so there's a lot 
of ability to like look at it as an overarching like example of feminism rather than a brief little blip which is cool yeah totally yeah. <laughs> totally no i love that i love that yeah awesome um what what would uh what was kind of so what was like your favorite it can be scenes or characters or anything mm-hmm. else uh like like what is like your favorite favorite thing about this movie what makes this movie so great <sighs> i think it's just the tension that builds throughout the whole thing if i had to like mm-hmm. nail it down to like one major major thing is like my absolute favorite thing about it it's that we have that um tension where as the audience we know that like things are not okay the whole time and we just have to like painfully wait for the rest of the characters on screen to catch up to that and i think that works so beautifully like like a good example is like the neck the morning that claire is dead she's in the attic and you have a shot of like her dad walking out of the house because he was just there looking for her and you have her like it perched in the window and god if he would just look up he would like see her in the window but he doesn't because like why would he and so you just have this like constant buildup of that unease of like there's a body in the attic there's a person in this house these girls aren't paying attention to it like the cops aren't listening and so it's just getting progressively more and more intense because the longer things go on the more you know like the outcome cannot be that good like the outcome's going to be bad no matter what and you just have to wait for that fallout and i think the tension of that works so well in this and it's so refreshing because i think a lot of the time slashers are just so eager to get in as much like gore and like sex appeal as they can whereas like we don't get that here so it's like oh, yes totally totally and i mean that tension's never resolved Mm -hmm. i mean you kind of think it is and then it's just it's just not i mean that girl's still in the attic with her like you know and then the murderer is still in the attic and Mm -hmm. every like yeah i mean you just never get that tension resolved yeah um i mean that is one of my nitpicks about the movie we can get to that well just like okay you have like 10 cops in a house like there's an attic Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like you search the basement, you search mm-hmm. all the rooms. There's a ladder going up to an attic. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you just pop your head in? I know. See what's going. On? Like, and then also, why would you leave this girl alone in a house? I mean, I know you think the murderer is dead, but still, like, she might not be in a good state. She might have had a concussion. She might have yeah. hit her head. Like, just so many things. And you know part of that could be the sort of the feminist lens of it all of like of like oh she's probably fine like Mm -hmm. it's probably okay now and this you know we should just leave this girl alone because whatever but like i mean as someone like i've i've played cello for a long time and it just like i think i i i can't stand smashing of instruments i just like oh no it it literally kills me and i don't like (gasps) I don't mind like burning of houses. I don't mean like destruction of like larger, like if an instrument were in a house and the house were burning, like I wouldn't notice it, but it's like somehow just like smashing, especially like a string instrument, just like, mm. I'm just like, oh God, like it just, <gasps> so I just like, when he smashed that piano, I'm just like, Ugh. like it's like worse than a death for me. I don't even know why. Just, wow. I think it's because like my whole life I've, been, I've I've just been taught to, you know, carefully take it out right. of the place and you just treasure like, it. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't know, that just really, really bothers me. But I mean it oh. makes that scene more effective, I guess. But yeah. It's I 
I guess I found a new uh, a new trigger for myself. <laughs> um, did did this did this film make you more freaked out about dryer bags or addicts? Um, probably dryer bags. Um, mostly just <laughs> okay. because I feel like I don't encounter a lot of addicts, so I'm just like meh. I don't even okay. think about them. I don't even think about them. Addicts who? I don't know. Um, so definitely like bags. <laughs> Just like, uh, it freaks me out. Not a fan. Um, not a fan. Not a fan. The thing that I was reading that really freaked me out is apparently the actress who plays Claire, like those scenes where she's in the attic with the bag over her still. She like that's not a dummy. That's actually her acting. It looked like it looked like her. Yeah. Oh, it freaked me out. She was talking about how she's like, yeah, when I was a kid, I could hold my breath really well in the pool, so I figured I could do it. And I was like, what? Why are we even risking that? Maybe don't yeah. do that. I mean, I appreciate the commitment to her craft, but that really freaked me out. I was like, I don't like that. I noticed that it was her, and I was kind of like looking at the length of the shots, and I was like, uh, she's probably fine, but like, yeah, it's. I mean, it's freaky. It would be freaky having a bag over your head and, like, you'd have to... I'd assume that, like, her arms aren't strapped so, like, she could get it yeah, off yeah, yeah. if she needed to, but I... Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely really freaky. Yes. Um, if, you're, if you're ever on the run from a serial killer, Ugh. like, this drives me crazy in horror oh, no. in general. <laughs> Don't yep. run into an area that you can't get out of. I know. So never, I know. Okay, so even if the door is locked or whatever, you can't get out of the door, mm -hmm. run into the dining room and mm -hmm. then and then the serial killer will chase you into the dining room. You can chase, you, you, you can run with him around the house and then try to get out of the door, but never go into a dead end. That's just like, notoriously a bad a bad, bad idea um i mean yeah it's not it's not just this movie but mm -hmm. uh yeah like that just that that like always drives me crazy so just like how just like a life pro tip for anyone out there encountering encountering serial killers yeah um i actually yeah no i actually did not have that many nit nitpicks um <laughs> heck yeah I loved it overall. I just like, I think that ending after the phone call where the officers, okay, like just, okay, just walk out of the house. Mm -hmm. Don't ask any questions. And she's just like, oh, like what's going on upstairs? I'm like, yeah, like, okay. no, no, babe, no. Okay, babe. She just loves her friends so much. I and know. I'm like, oh, this she's poor a good girl. friend. She's a good friend. But, uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I guess not that many nitpicks. Um, mm -hmm. I think, I think my, I honestly think like my favorite thing about the movie yeah. overall was just the opening scene. I just like, Oh, it's so good. I think that just like the contrast between like sort of the festivities downstairs and the serial killer climbing upstairs, you don't quite, mm -hmm. you don't quite know where it's gonna. And I mean, at first you don't even know if he's human, like he's making weird right. sounds. You yeah. It's bizarre. If if it's like a werewolf or something weird, <laughs> or like, I mean, he starts he starts climbing upstairs, and um and you just know these two worlds are gonna collide at some point, and mm. you're sort of waiting for that, and then um and then we see enough of the girls that it starts to become normal. 
mm-hmm. that like, okay, we're sort of in this party, you know, and then, and then the one girl enters her room alone. You're like, oh, this is not going to be good. Yeah. You know? And he's waiting in the closet, obviously. But um, yeah. And then also just like that first phone call I loved with mm-hmm. his weird breathing and they really pan over their faces. Like they yeah. you just spend a moment with like each person's face as they're sort mm-hmm. of reacting to this. It was really, really effective. And I, I really, really love that scene. Yeah. So Ooh. that would be my next favorite thing, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree. I like that a lot. And I think the thing I thought about when I started it today was that what I like a lot about the opening too is that we just like jump so abruptly into it. Um, totally. Which like, especially with slashers, I feel like a lot of the time we kind of get that weird like intro opening credits with like the theme m- music. And like, it's like, I, I really appreciated this time, especially where like the second that you hit play, like you're just going and like almost immediately things are just not good. And you're just like, oh, okay, like <laughs> here we go. Like, this is great. <laughs> we don't get time to like get comfortable. Like we're thrust into like an uncomfortable situation like right away, which I think totally. is very effective. Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be your next, your next favorite thing about the movie? Mm. This is going to be so, like, niche. Oh, I love Um, it. I love niche. (laughs) I live for niche. I got so beyond stoked when I was watching it today. And and it's so funny. I I always have these little moments where I just get, like, really amped about, like, certain, like, little editing things in horror movies. I think it's so, like, exciting. And so there's this – it's literally, like, maybe five seconds. It's so great. Um, (laughs) Where – um it's at the point in the movie where they've just found the little like neighborhood girl's body and the mom is like coming up and like you don't ever see the girl's body but it's implied that like she's dead and like it's not good and so the mom's coming up and then she like basically opens her mouth to like scream but instead of the scream you get the telephone ringing at the sorority house and it's this oh, it, like God. Oh, yeah i noticed uh, that That's i that like sent the biggest chill down my spine like it was such a good use of like sound editing and like the inner cuts of it was just so well timed and i just i got so jazzed about it i was like oh yes yep that's what i like to see that's some good stuff right there um so (laughs) that's my second favorite thing (laughs) about this movie Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna i'm gonna take i'm gonna take my slot slash my like podium in time to shout out uh, the uh, house mother. Mrs. Mac. <laughs> Mrs. Mac and her booze. And uh, yes. so like the first time it happened, I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, she's like <laughs> B for booze. She's like, the encyclopedia. <laughs> she's like, oh, let's go to the B encyclopedia. I'm like, it's oh, great. And she like cracks it out. She's like, oh, oh, oh. And then yep. she like puts it back. Like, Someone's coming. And then she's like brushing her teeth late at night. And then she like goes to the toilet bowl, like pulls out the second, like same exact, I don't know, it was like whiskey or whatever. Same exact Yeah, whatever bottle. it was. She's just like, I'm like, this lady's great. I think at one point she says like, these girls will these girls will fuck the leaning tower of pizza if they could get on top of it like <laughs> mrs mac uh, mrs mac was so great i honestly i i i i wish she was murdered like maybe 30 minutes later like we could have mm. just used a little more of her in the story mm. she's just awesome uh yeah. yeah uh what would be your next uh your next favorite thing here uh. 
Um, I think I'm gonna say, um, Barb's whole like death scene, or the build up for it. Which one's remind me which one? Barb is is, like the alcoholic sorority sister who's like definitely like kind of bitchy if we're being honest, and like says honestly really horrible things a lot, and like essentially like bullied Claire and like just a little bit controversial. But I love her character in general just because like almost as, like, a weird counterpoint to Mrs. Max, she, like, provides, like, a lot of, like, comedic relief, like, when she's giving the cop <laughs> the, the sorority house's phone number, she's like, yeah, it's a fellatio, bop, 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 and gives the phone number, and it's just like, you're saying that to a cop? Okay. Okay, okay, side note, side, yes. just, just side note, they, okay. they milked that joke. They really like did. A little too long. They had a good time with that joke. The fellatio joke, I was like, I was like, okay, the first time it happened, then the second time it happened, I was like, okay, okay, okay. Like he doesn't catch on. And then I was like, oh, we're gonna spend like a minute and a half on the yeah. fellatio joke. I was just like, okay. I, th- <laughs> a and little, I think that's- little long <laughs> fellatio joke. Yeah. Um I think that's a great example to show that this movie was written by a man um <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> fair uh, oh gosh what a joke um <laughs> but i love her in general because she provides so much like comedic relief which is really fun but then at the end like she goes to bed kind of early because she's just so like blacked that like she, everyone's like please just go to bed like you are insufferable go to bed um <laughs> and she's in bed and we get the really like unsettling shots of the killer like walking into her room and like there's this tension building because you're like oh my god she's about to die she's about to die but then all of a sudden she doesn't and instead we hear her like freaking out and we're like oh okay this is when we'll get like the the conflict of the killer being revealed and instead she's just in her bed like having an asthma attack and she's saying she's having a nightmare about a man like coming into her room and like standing over her and that I find that so terrifying that like yeah. she that that is literally what ha- just ha- was happening and yet she just is lulled back to sleep because oh it's just a nightmare like you're fine just calm down like don't worry like you're just freaking out and then not even five minutes later she meets her end and it's I think that's done really well he and, was like, probably in the room during that during that moment I mean, yeah probably. Yeah, but I mean, like, again, there's so many things that um, this movie does a really good job of, like, not clarifying all of your suspicions, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like, honestly, like, and and this isn't an insult to either of of the movies, but if this Mm -hmm. were shot by Hitchcock, he would have immediately cut to the killer and just been Mm -hmm. like, killers in the room added a lot of suspense to the movie. Yeah, like, and that movie would have been also great like hitchcock's slasher like oh wow yeah slasher would have been awesome but it's it would it would have been less ambiguous Mm, and um and this movie does a really good job of being ambiguous with with uh with scenes like that i guess Mm -hmm. i feel it so yeah so i would say that's my that's my my third yeah well i think i think um Oh, I know what I'm gonna take for this, and then, okay. then I'll give I'll give a shout out. But like Olivia okay. Hussey, <laughs> yeah, Olivia Hussey, which we, we have mm-hmm. talked about, so I won't get too far into. But just mm-hmm. like, um, powerful, like so, like beautiful, and then she mm-hmm. just has these like great eyes, like yeah, she, like, like 
like sort of innocent eyes, but mm-hmm. like, um, like w- it works really well for a horror movie, you know, mm-hmm. where she's she's freaked out. It works. I mean, it works really like like it's impressive that I mean, she was able to do Shakespeare and horror, and those were her two. Yeah. Her, her her two largest roles but mm-hmm. damn like cast this girl in more things she's like yeah she's, she's so awesome mm-hmm. but anyways oh she's great it's fine couple shout outs i want to give yes um uh physical tracing oh my god the mm. guy the guy running between all the circuit boards in this yeah. room like that is awesome. Like that was so like, cool. Like so many police scenes, they have like they're staring at a computer and they're like those like triangles that are closing in or something or like you know like closing in on the location of the caller or whatever, or like it's implied that someone's doing the tracing but you don't yeah. see the person doing the tracing. And I think it's it was so cool to see this guy run all over this like warehouse of like of like giant machines like that's yeah. like, like like it's such an archaic technology but that like it was so intense it was so just cool to see that i'd never seen that in a movie that was like awesome to me it was so exciting i love that there's like so many objects that you see in like movie addicts that you don't see in real life addicts mm. and um and among them are like are like are like rocking horses and bird yep. cages and porcelain dolls yeah. and i feel like some of those things might be in someone's addict but they're like mm-hmm. in every movie addict this is um, true attic i said addict i say that a lot oh interesting yeah i do that a lot <laughs> freudian it says something about it <laughs> um, like yeah like like um why would a sorority house have a rocking chair in its yeah attic? i don't know but uh and then also like a Actually, I figured this one out. The the mm. swinging hook would have been probably to pull furniture up. Ah, uh, because I was also kind of wondering that. I was like, why? Like, right. If it like like if you wanted to pull a chair up, I guess you could like hook yeah. it. Because that, that would kind of make sense. Because otherwise, that would make sense. But I guess yeah. that one would make sense. Uh, the rest of like why why would a soror- why would a sorority house have, you know have all these weird it didn't seem like they'd be the place to have birds no not at all or especially especially like especially like if you did have a bird you'd probably reuse the bird cage you wouldn't have like 10 bird cages no (laughs) so they each get a bird when they initiate into the sorority yeah that's what it is that's what it is and then they all died one day well they have a cat so the cat ate the, the birds that's the prequel to Black Christmas. <laughs> bird and cat movie. Perfect. So my favorite line in this movie was ho 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 fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this uh this like non-enthusiastic dad is playing Santa and she's like she's like, oh cheer up. He's like, ho 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 fuck. <laughs> like yeah. kind of sums it up perfectly. It's well, what so- was your favorite line of this movie? Hmm. I honestly think it is when he uh when that like really annoying cop is on the phone with Olivia Hussey and he's like 
just like get out of the house like just put the phone down get out of the house don't go upstairs don't go upstairs and he just is shouting it and you get that like cutaway where you hear him in the receiver but it's like far away I I think that's such a good line delivery and like even though up until then his character was so annoying and even in that moment I'm annoyed with him because he like he was told explicitly like don't fuck this up and he did um (laughs) like I I just find that like such a great like it's not the final line, but it's, like, it's almost, like, that last line you get before you go into, like, ultimate, like, proper chaos, where, like, from then totally. on, it's, like, the end, and it's just so intense. So, I, I think that would be mine. I, and then, and then one thing I noticed about that scene that I thought was really interesting was, um, there's something in the audio editing where, like, when they cut back to the police station you get the sounds of a police station. The police station is busy. Mm-hmm. And I think that again shows like how little the police station cares about the safety of these girls yeah. and their lives. The fact that like, and it was really, really subtle, but I picked up on it in the scene. I was like, wow, this isn't like, like you could have easily cut to John Saxon in the car mm-hmm. and, and and like everyone in the car is like, is like centered around the, the phone. It's like high and low and they're all like talking on the phone. They're like, whatever you do. And everyone's focused yeah. on that. But like what you get is like this guy who's like at the front desk somewhere mm-hmm. and he's like, hey, whatever you do. But everyone else in the background is doing other things. And it, yeah. it's like, it's like they're, they're not at all like focused on this. And and mm-hmm. all, all those thoughts ran through my head just based on the fact that they added background noise to mm. the cutbacks to the police station which is like very subtle but like mm-hmm. oddly like super effective and I thought that was really well done yeah I like that a lot that's such a good point and I don't think it's something I like thought about like in the moment but like that's so spot on like and it just it really does like help carry that like overarching theme that like they're there to help but they're not really helping yeah yeah totally totally are there any other thoughts you had just on the movie in general or um trying to think um a fun fact uh is that this this like story is partially based off of an urban legend um which is funny because i used i like I mean, it was before, like, creepypasta, but it was, like, when the internet was first a thing and, like, you could, like, find, like, kind of scary stories on the internet. Like, I would definitely, like, try and find them because I've been a horror fan for too long. At too young of an age, I was liking stuff like this. But um, uh, it's based off the urban legend of the babysitter and the collar upstairs, and it's centered around, like, the babysitter, and she's downstairs watching TV, and she keeps getting a phone call that's, like, go check on the children, go check on the children. and um eventually like she calls the police because like the phone calls won't stop and they tap the phone and they're like oh my god like you need to get out of there like the whoever's calling is calling from inside the house and it turned out that this like person had like killed these children and was like trying to lure her upstairs and it's like this creepy urban legend and apparently it like started like being a thing in the 60s so it was like really big right when they were like making this movie and I think that's really interesting that they kind of like took it this story that people at the time were really freaked out about and then like did this cool spin on it because it's obviously not a babysitter or anything like that but I think that's really neat I love urban legends it's just it's a good time I do too yeah I mean there there was so much trivia with this movie that I found on IMDb there's just a lot of 
stories around the set. I think it's it's partly just because like it's a cult classic, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of people that are really into this movie, and it's mm-hmm. it's so odd that it just was not really on my radar at all. I know. I was surprised. I'm glad I could uh, recommend it and get you on the Black Christmas train. <laughs> I'm definitely on the Black Christmas train. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. <Woo>. Murder. <laughs> All aboard on the murder train. Oh, oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> Anything else you want to add? I'm trying to think. I guess the other last thing is just this is technically considered one of the very first North American slashers. Mm. And so I think it's a like anyone who's like wanting to at least try getting into the genre because I know it's not for everyone and it's kind of hard to get into especially with like how easily it can like freak people out like this is a great starting point in some ways because it's so different than a lot of slashers which is interesting but it's also one of the first um and honestly I would argue it has really minimal like gore and whatnot it's true it's um, it's very it's very like cerebral in that way. Yeah, and so I would just say like for that like for those couple of reasons like it's a great place to start if you're trying to like break into the genre like even though it's not the most like well known because like obviously like all of those are like in the eighties with like Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street and like all of those. Um, this is this is a good one. This is a goodie. <laughs> It's definitely a goodie. It's definitely mm-hmm. a goodie. I'm really, I'm really, really glad I watched it. And uh, yeah, I do. Um, th- this that th- has like also reminds me. I, I I have a problem where like I haven't seen the Nightmare Before Christmas, just what? because. Like I'll tell you why. It's because I don't know whether to watch it on Christmas or Halloween year round. Okay, <laughs> there you go. But. Like, I, I could see myself having that problem with this movie where, like, I'd mm. scroll past it on Halloween because, like, this is a Christmas movie. But I'd scroll right. past it on Christmas because of, like, that sounds like a Halloween movie. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I just, like, I haven't seen The Nightmare Before Christmas for, like, the same reason, oddly enough. And I, I know I need to catch that one. That's so good. But I feel like I feel like I miss the window between like October and December every year. Cause I was just like, fair. Oh, maybe I'll <laughs> till the next holiday. <laughs> That's very fair. That's honestly super fair. That anyway. was another reason why I picked this actually super randomly is I was like, well, maybe I'll pick something that appeals to the people who like Halloween, yeah. but also the people that are those, um, I don't like, I, I'm not a fan of this, but the people who are like so eager for Christmas to start that they're like, who cares about halloween it's christmas time so this is a great (laughs) this is great for everybody (laughs) are you a christmas fan in general no not okay not at all my friend like i i have a friend from college who like constantly tags me on facebook of those like countdown to christmas things (laughs) it's like just in case you were wondering and i'm like thanks um i i mean it's fun it's nice but i'm not like a big gift person in general like gift exchange kind of stuff just makes me like super uncomfortable so like a whole holiday centered around that is like my worst nightmare and (laughs) and like i 
think it's just drawn out so long. Like the second is November first. I feel like it's just Christmas for so long. So so that's my problem with Christmas mm-hmm. is just how drawn out it is. But I loved gift. I love gift giving. Really? And I love like I love like trying to figure out like what people are gonna like. I love that whole aspect of Christmas, but like like some years like I'll plan it right. And it just has to do with when I get into the holiday spirit. So like <laughs> some years I'm like November, like like first rolls around, I'm like, I'm getting ready. <laughs> like <laughs> this is gonna be fun. Like, like let's listen wow. to Christmas music. Oh and um and then and then I get sick of it by like December 10th. Yep. You know? <laughs> Great. Some years I'm able to like postpone it long enough. I'm like, okay, we'll get a tree like t- December 1st. We'll like, there you go. we'll wait like a while. And like, I won't start listening to Christmas music for like a little while. Mm-hmm. And then I pace myself. So I've learned I have to pace ah. myself for the Christmas. That's super uh, fair. Interesting. Again, That's a so whole funny. conversation that might get cut, but <laughs> That's fair. thoughts on Christmas. <laughs> I love it. It's fine. It's semi-relevant. It's almost Christmas time. In- what's your What's your favorite Christmas album? Uh, I don't listen to any Christmas music. Any? Like at all? Like I? Okay. So I mean, I, yeah. I like Michael Bublé. I guess if I had to like pick somebody, but I like I actively am like no, no. <laughs> I hate like ninety percent of Christmas music. Yeah. And the two, the two like albums that I have on on repeat are Vince Caraldi's Charlie Brown Christmas because oh. it's honestly one of my favorite jazz albums ever. Like it's mm. just it happens to be one of my favorite jazz albums, and it just mm-hmm. centers around Christmas, and it just like it feels right. And, and I also I love the Charlie Brown Christmas, and yeah. and um Vince Caraldi like oddly like he he lived I want to say like. 10 minutes away from me like he lived in in Penlo Park which is just you know it's not it's not that it's not that far and he should play in like he used to play spots there and stuff and yeah like that's that's really my happy place and then Mm. Sinatra occasionally Uh, okay that whole vibe but uh that's a good one I guess 90 yeah 90 percent of Christmas music is pure shit I can't listen to Christmas radio I think that any song, this is a theory that I've had recently. Okay. Any song, when you hear it quietly and it's CVS, the song is immediately ruined. Yes. Yep. And it can be like your favorite song, but mm-hmm. if it's played quietly and there's like no bass to like the songs that are played, yeah. in CVS, it's kind of just piped in and it's very uh, trouble. Like, like a CVS or a dentist office, you know what I mean? Yes. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I have moods where like I love Mariah Carey. Mm just times in my life yeah it doesn't happen that often but (laughs) sometimes i need mariah carey and if like if i hear mariah carey like quietly at a store it's just like i can't i i I would never i I wouldn't be able to listen to mariah carey for a while yeah no no i don't know if you have that problem at target because they probably play music quietly at target right or maybe not actually i don't think they do now that i'm thinking the only time we have music like they let us play the people who like work exclusively in the back room can play music. Right. And so like the only music I hear when I'm working is like good, like eighties, nineties music, which is like fun. I'm like having a good, uh, time. It's a good time. Yeah. So I'm like, cool. Um, I'm kind of nervous though. Like once it hits like actual like Christmas season, I'm curious to see if they'll start playing 
Christmas music. I really hope not, but... Depends how much faith you have in your coworkers. I know. I'm like, uh... Um, so you know the drill. Do you want to yeah. wrap it up with a quote? Oh, gosh. I know. Oh, no. I'm just going to do the quote that I like um, from Black Christmas, and now I feel like I'm going to butcher it as I'm doing it, but I'm yes, going to do when the cop is like on the phone. He's going to go, put the phone down and walk to the door and leave the house. Do not go upstairs. Don't go upstairs, Jess. Boom. Jess. Jess, Jess. don't go upstairs. Don't go Jess. upstairs, Jess. Jess. As she proceeds to walk upstairs. And she's shouting, Barb, Phil, answer me. <laughs> well, Clara, thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> this has been a pleasure. Again, yes. again, till till next time, till two weeks from now. When My I- inevitable <laughs> return. <laughs> inevitable return. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflag, and I will see you next week.